Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, today what I want to do is start a brand new series of messages called Dear Church. Let me hear you say, Dear Church. Y'all sound good this morning. Dear Church, you know, I believe that God is always speaking to his people. He's always speaking to his church. Um, You know, we read all throughout the scripture how he spoke to his people, how he spoke to uh, the nation of Israel, how he spoke to people who followed him. And I believe that wasn't just for Bible times, but it's for us today, that God is still speaking to us today. And so in that, I believe that God has some very specific things that he wants to say to us. And that's part of where we get the majority of the New Testament is God speaking to his churches. About two-thirds of the New Testament was written by a guy named the, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he, um, what he did was he would travel to a city or to a region, and he would uh, declare the gospel. He'd go into the city, into the market, and he would preach the gospels, and, and people would get saved. And so he would start a church in those cities. And while he was there, he would raise up a pastor, a leader. He would raise young people up and then uh, leave them in charge of the church. They were to pastor the people. They were to lead the church. And then he would move on to another city and do the same thing again. And uh, so when he would write back to all of these churches, he would write them letters to correct them, to encourage them, to teach them. This is what it means to live for Jesus. Be involved in this. Don't be involved in this. All kinds of things. And that's where we get so much of our New Testament, where Paul was writing letters to the churches, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And there was other letters he would write to specific church leaders. And so uh, we see so much of God speaking to the churches through uh, the Apostle Paul. Then in the the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, um, John is exiled on the island of Patmos. And while he's there, he has a vision of Jesus. Jesus appears to him and gives him a vision. He shows him what the last days will be like, the end times, sometimes people call that. But then he also says, John... I need you to write seven specific letters to seven specific churches because I have some things to say to the church. So in other words, Jesus is saying, dear church, we got some things to talk about. We, there's some things we need to know. How do we live in these days? How do we forgive in these days? How do we live a life of passion for God in these days? So we've got some things, and over these next several weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to talk about this whole idea of dear church and what God is saying to his churches. And I believe, man, that God, there's, there's something stirring in the spirit. I believe we're about to go into a season of, of harvest in the body of Christ where people are coming that don't know God that are going to come to know God. And so I would encourage you in these weeks leading up to Easter, don't miss a week. There's only four or five Sundays until that point. Man, just, just, just make that commitment. God, what do you have for me? I want to hear all that you have for me in these coming Day so uh, and leading up to that, don't don't miss uh, any of those. In those seven letters that Jesus uh, spoke to the churches, guys, can you find me that blue mic um, and we'll we'll switch it out so it stops cutting out. Uh, in, in in those seven letters, he ends each of the letters the exact same way. He says the same phrase at the end of the letters, and I want to read one of those to you from the seven letters. It comes from Revelations chapter three, verse two. It says, "Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit." says to the churches. Thank you, Casey. Can you give a big hand for my friend Casey? He's awesome. Casey, if you don't know Casey, Casey has been on um, the, the dream team and part of the church for almost as long as I have. I think like a week or two after we came, Casey came to one of our interest meetings long before the church ever started, and he's been actively a part of serving and building the kingdom of God right here at Victory. Love you, Casey. You're the man. Come on. Says, so he says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, go ahead and check and make sure you got these two things hanging on the side of your head. Let me make sure everybody got them. If you got them, let me hear say, I got ears. I got ears. That's good. There's more of you in this service that said you had ears than in the first service. I'm glad you got ears this morning. Now, um, I don't think that Jesus was talking about these ears. Because clearly we can all hear out of these ears. And... Um, So what he's talking about, he who has ears to hear, he's talking about hearing in the spirit. Is your spirit paying attention to what God is saying? Because God is speaking to his churches. Are we listening? Whoever has ears to hear what the spirit is saying 
to the churches. So we've got some things we've got to talk about. Um, so today the word of the Lord is the rise of a generation. The rise of a generation. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It says this. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Let me hear all my young people make some noise in the house. Y'all sound good. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, Paul is writing this to a young pastor. Timothy was a young man, and Paul had raised him up. He considered him a spiritual son. And here he's saying, Timothy, don't let anybody tell you that you're too young to speak the word of God. Don't let anyone tell you you're too young to be a pastor or a worship leader or a missionary. Don't don't let anybody tell you you're too young. In fact, you be the example. Don't wait for those that are older than you to, to show to live right. You live right. If they're cussing you out, you speak right. Don't wait for somebody else to do You be the example. You lead the way. This is what he's saying. So young people, it's time to rise up. I believe this generation's time has come. Yeah, yeah, this generation's time has come. Of course, I'm speaking of the, the up-and-coming generation, but um, I want to talk to all generations today. Can I, can I talk to all generations in the house? So I don't know if you find yourself in the baby boomers or the silent generation or Generation X, Generation Z, Generation Zenio, Millennials, Generation, you know, Y, Alpha, whatever label the world is trying to put on you, whatever name somebody is trying to call you, today it's time for generations to rise up. It's time for us to rise up out of misery and complacency. It's time for us to rise up out of fear and anxiety and depression. It's time for us to rise up out of greed and the fear of lack. It's time for us to rise up out of self-imposed limitations and what other people have said. This is as high as you can rise. Listen, when you're serving God, the sky is the limit, baby. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So don't let somebody else tell you who you are and what you can do. Come on, you can do it. Amen. You are well able to take the land. Oh, I'm ready to preach today. It's time to rise up out of sitting on the sidelines, complaining, criticizing, expecting other people to do what we were called to do. It's time to rise up out of judgmentalism because it doesn't take too much looking around to realize that we live in a world, we live with a generation that's rising up and they're looking for love, looking for real love. They're looking for acceptance and truth, forgiveness. And where are they going to find that? We see it everywhere. They're trying to find it in everything. But those things only come, truth, love, acceptance, forgiveness, only come from our Father God. He's the only source of those things. Dear church, it's time for us to let the love of God flow through us. It's time for us to set some things aside and begin to rise up and raise up a generation of stop calling them everything else that everyone has called them to be and begin to speak to the gifts of God and the calling of God that is in their lives. They were not created on accident. They were created on purpose. So dear church, it's time to raise up a generation. See, as a church, this is what we're all about. We're all about revival. We're all about people hearing the gospel of Jesus. We're not about the traditions of men. <laughs> We're about reaching people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connecting them to their purpose, whatever the means necessary. So, so often people are like, why do you do that at the movies? Why do you, you know, why do you do, you know, fall festival and all this kind of stuff that we do? Well, because we are passionate about reaching people who don't like God, don't want to come to church, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach them with the love of Jesus. Come on. That's what we're called to do. Isn't that what Jesus said? Go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of everyone. That's where we got the vision of the church. Reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. Connect them to their purpose. So as, as a church, we have to recognize and realize that we've been entrusted with the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the acceptance of God. Like, so we've got to rise up and begin to let that flow through us. The gifts of God flow through us to rise up a generation because a generation is finding counterfeits thinking that it's real. A generation is buying into the deception thinking that that's how they attain peace and prosperity and love and all these other things. But it's all counterfeit because the church hasn't given it to them what we've freely been given. So it's time for us, dear church, to 
rise up. The chosen, the body of Christ, the redeemed, the healed, the forgiven. It's time for us to extend that and bring a generation into those places and stop saying, oh, generation, you just don't want to do anything. Would you just get it together and start saying, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are set aside and holy to do the works of the Lord. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching about 67% better than y'all are amening today. See, much like in the 60s when evilness and wickedness and all kinds of stuff swept into a generation. It was ushered in through music and so many other arenas, and it seemed like darkness was going to overtake our nation and in in that generation. But in the middle of that darkness, in the middle of all that wickedness, God began to stir God began to, a a revival broke out among the young people. It was the greatest revival among young people in our history at that point. It was called the Jesus Movement. See, in the middle of darkness, God will bring revival. I believe we're on the edge of that. There's about to be a breakthrough. There's about to be a season of revival that is, that is about to come forth of this generation coming to know Christ. And if we're not ready as the church, we will miss out. We will miss out, but we're not going to miss out because we're a bunch of people who are radical. We are a bunch of people who are passionate about this generation, about loving people and forgiving. Aren't you glad to be surrounded by people who love Jesus and love others? Come on. I believe we're about to see an even greater revival than this world has ever seen before, and it's going to come from this young generation. It's going to come from that place, and it's going to sweep like fire across our city, across this nation, and around the world. Come on, somebody. We're going to be ready. So so here's the question I want to ask. Can a generation rise up? Because so often we look at something with our eyes and we're like, oh, that's just messed up. That's just bad. That's, and we speak to things as though that's how it really is. And I believe God is saying, dear church, can a generation rise up? What God has already done, because he's infinitely wise, is that he's already given us the answer to that question in the word. And so I want to look at that today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. That's in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 37. God is so good. He always speaks to things that we're going through before we get there because he's Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees ahead and provides. Come on, somebody. Can a generation rise up? If you don't have your Bible with you today, you can get the free YouVersion Bible app on your phone. Um, uh, Make sure you don't leave home without it. Bring it with you, baby. Bring it to church. Ezekiel 37, verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was on me. Can I tell you, the hand of the Lord is on you too. Come on. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley bones that were very dry now when I read this I think of westerns I love westerns come on a little John Wayne some tumbleweeds blowing around the wind blowing sand everywhere cowboy hat go ahead make my day you guys you guys know what I'm talking about come on you get the picture he's saying Ezekiel's there and he's looking at he's like there's just dryness there's tumbleweeds, there's bones everywhere. Where's John Wayne? You know, he's looking around and somewhere. And this is the picture that he has. And, and so God speaks to him again. And he says, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now, <laughs> when God asked Ezekiel this question, I don't think that he was looking for the answer. <laughs> That's just, a, that's just a tip right there for you. If, if the Lord is speaking to you and he's asking you a question, he already knows the answer. So if he asks you, you know, so many times what we do, though, is when we're facing a situation, we're facing lack, we're facing a deficiency, we're having a problem at work, problem with our kids or whatever it is, we look at it and we're like, God is asking us, can this generation live? Can there be life in this thing? And we're like... Well, I don't know. I mean, God, I guess you know. You can do something, so go ahead. I mean, what do you, why are you asking me? You're God. And Ezekiel's here. He's like, God, you know, I guess. I don't know. Can it? And here he is. And I, don't, I think that God is trying to get Ezekiel to see something in a little different way that he wants us as the church to see in a different way. He's not looking for the answer. He's trying to get Ezekiel when he's looking at this dryness, this valley, these bones everywhere, and he's saying, can there be life? Can this, these bones live again? He's not asking him if the bones can come to life. He's asking him, Ezekiel, what can you see in your faith? 
What can you see that doesn't exist? Or are you limited to what you can see with these eyes? Because we are not limited to what we see with these eyes. The things going on around in our lives are way more spiritual than we think sometimes. Way more spiritual than we realize. And so God is trying to wake us up. Dear church, do you only see with these eyes or can you see with eyes of faith? Can you see with vision or are you just driven by your past? Are you driven by your circumstance or are you driven with vision through faith? And that's what God is trying to get Ezekiel to see here in this moment in verse 4 then he said to me prophesy to these bones and say to them dry bones hear the word of the Lord this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones I will make breath into you and will and you will come to life that word breath right there translated in the original language literally means wind or spirit so God is saying at generation I will put my life into you I will put my spirit spirit in you. I will put my breath inside of you. Like I will cause life to come inside of you. He says, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So we are meant to prophesy. Prophecy is not a spooky, weirdo thing. No, prophecy is declaring what God has said. It's speaking of things to happen in the future, things that haven't happened yet. This is prophecy, right? But what so often that people do is they, they just want to pray. Now, I'm not dogging prayer. We need to pray. But prayer is just the first part. So sometimes people pray and they're like, God, do what you can do. And just, you know, God, I thank you. I thank you. And then we just want him to be like, poof, and everything is sunshine and roses and better. And it's all good. But God is actually saying, I've given you the authority. I've given you the ability to use your mouth to speak and declare and bring life to things. Notice that he didn't say to Ezekiel, stand back and let me bring life into this. No, he said, Ezekiel, prophesy. I know you're looking at death right now. I know you got dryness all around you, but I want you to speak life. I want you to prophesy, even though it doesn't look like it, I want you to prophesy to it. So, so often, like, people are struggling with their kids. Well, they're just on drugs, or they just don't listen to me, or they won't do what I ask them. And all they're doing is rehearsing all the negative, speaking all these negative, let's put it this way, what they're doing is prophesying over their kids and who they will become. But what if? What if, dear church, we began to prophesy what the word says about our children, what the spirit of God says about our children? Hey, you have a purpose. You have the mind of Christ. You are doing so good. It doesn't matter what things look like. There's a plan and a purpose for your life. We can begin to prophesy or we can just recite everything that's going on. So we utilize prayer. But prayer is petition. It's asking God. It's coming before God. God, thank you. I need you. You There's this request mechanism going on when we're praying. But then we shift gears into a prophecy, right? Prophecy is a declaration mode. So we're not just asking or hoping or wishing. No, we are declaring boldly in faith. This is what the word of the Lord is. This is what God has said. So prophecy speaks and bring things that are dead to life. Even if it doesn't look like it, prophecy boldly declares what God's word says. And it's not, prophecy is not, uh, we got to understand, it's not words that we make up. We're not trying to make things like, no, when we're prophesying, we are speaking God's word. We are speaking what God has already said. That's where the power and the authority comes from. Because if it's just things we're making up, then we're the ones that got to bring it to be. But if you speak what God has said, guess what? You don't got to make it come to be. He will. Amen. So you can rest in that. You can have faith in his word because he always does what he says. His word always is working. So we're meant to begin in prayer and shift into prophecy, right? Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling noise, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them. Skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So you have the ability to speak life into another person. The words coming out of our mouths are prophetic declarations over a generation. The words coming out of our mouths are prophetic declarations over our spouse, over our families, over generations to come. That We are speaking prophecy, right? So what if we begin to speak 
health and encouragement and life and purpose and character into generations, into people who are seemingly far off. I'll tell you what will happen if we'll be bold enough to live that way is that it will be like a downpour of rain on dry and parched land that when we're declaring through the Spirit of God, then all of a sudden as that rain begins to fall and the rain is pouring down, that dry, barren, dead land will begin to be softened and soon, before long, life will begin to grow out of that place where there was nothing before. So dear church, God is saying, I don't want you to stand around and sit by. I don't want you to sit back. I want you to begin to get up and begin to use what I've given you. Put the authority that I've given you into work. Begin to prophesy, to begin to declare what God's word has said. Dear church, it's time to raise up a generation. It's time to raise them up into all that God has called them to be. To raise them up not to be servants to us, but raise them up into all that God has for them. It's time for us, dear church, to raise up a generation to hear and know the voice of God above all else, to know how to love, to know how to serve, to know how to give. It's time to raise up a generation. Then, then he said to me, he said, prophesy to the breath. So he's spoken to the bones, but now he says, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Come on. God is raising up an army in this generation. He's raising up an army that's going to be those that go out and bring in the harvest in these last days. I believe that we're living in those last days. We don't know the day that Jesus is coming back, but we can discern the times. Jesus said you can figure out when it's about to rain. Then you should be able to, in your spirit, realize what Jesus has said and realize, hey, there's things going on. There's prophecy coming to be. And, man, we are in the last days. And I believe God is raising up an army out of a generation that's willing to say, God, I want my life to count for something. I want my life to count for your glory and for the kingdom of God. And that army is going to be those that go out, take the light where the light is dim, bring the gospel to those that are broken, those that are hurting, and bring in a harvest into the kingdom of God. It's going to be a generation that plunders the kingdom of hell and populates the kingdom of heaven. Come on, let's give God some praise in this house today. But dear church, it starts with us prophesying and speaking life into this generation. Those that are willing to say there's leadership inside of you, generation. There's a plan and a purpose for your life. There's gifts and talents on the inside of you. You can do it. You're smart. You're able. You're talented. You are born for this moment. It's time for a generation to rise up. It's not a lost generation. It's not a confused generation. It's a generation of purpose. Lord, forgive us where we've spoken over this generation. It's not a tablet generation. It's a generation of the word. The original tablets. Come on, somebody. Y'all thought tablets were original. God made two. He made the Android and the iPad. Everybody's part of it. Come on. Somebody will get that on the way home. Oh, because there was two tablets. Watch the Ten Commandments. It's all right. (laughs) It's good to laugh in church. Come on. So there's couples in this church that are called to raise up a generation. There's young people, young adults called to be children's pastors that are sitting here, called to be youth pastors that are in the room right now. There's married couples, those that have wanted kids that are called to raise up a generation. Don't wait to have biological kids. There's spiritual kids that are waiting for you. I'm so thankful in my life. I was raised by a single mom. I'm so thankful for the men in the church. Man, I'm going to put you on blast right now. Come on, where's all my men at? Man, we are not, men, we are not in our place that because we have privilege as men. The greatest must be the greatest servant. I'm just, we need a generation of men to rise up and be fathers to a fatherless generation. We need men to be spiritual fathers. I would not be in the place that I am today. I would not be the man that I am today if it were not for the men who are there for me in children's church. Week in, week out. They didn't have theology degrees. They didn't need them. They just showed up every week. They were there for me. They taught me how to throw a ball. They were there when I didn't know what, you know, what to do. They were there to answer questions. They were shoulders to cry on. When I needed a father, they spoke into my life, and I wouldn't be who I am if 
if, I, if it wasn't for them today. And we need spiritual fathers raising up this generation. We need men who are willing to just show up in an orange shirt every week that says Victory Kids. Maybe you don't got it all together. Maybe you're busy. Maybe you run a business, whatever. It doesn't matter your status, your position. You can be there. You just got to show up. If you can do this, you can be there and help kids learn how to worship. I'm just saying, man, we need to show up for this generation. There's a place for you. We need men in Victory Kids. We need men in Victory Youth. You can be involved. You can be a part. You just got to be willing, like, I can be there. I, I don't know how you can use me, but I will be there week in, week out. And you can raise up a generation. We need, there's so many of us in this room. Maybe you haven't had a heart for this generation before. You've been the one on the, on the back. You've been the one criticizing, or you've just been the one. Somebody else will do it. Oh, I can't take all that youth stuff, all that kid stuff. Like, and I'm just, today I'm praying that God would stir your heart, that if you haven't had a heart for this generation, that today, man, uh, Malachi 4, he says, I'm going to turn, in the last days, I will turn the hearts of fathers and mothers back to the children. That's what I'm praying over you, church. He's going to bring us back to a heart for a generation. Man, there's grandmas and grandpas. Your time, your time's not over. Your time is not over. We need you. We need you. See, the rise of a generation is not about pushing one out, one's better than the other, one's great. No, it's not about that at all. It's about generations coming together. Generations coming together. Why? Because it's not about just saying, oh, the next generation is just great and they're going to, like, no, it's generations coming together. Like, we need to raise them up because they're going to be the voices when we're gone to carry on and declare the gospel of Jesus. They're going to be the ones to raise up a generation behind them. And so it's about generations coming together saying, hey, I need you. You need me because people that are lost need us. They need the hope that's found in Jesus. So young, old, new, whatever. Whatever generation you're in, we need each other. Let me say it this way. Where's my young generation at? Let me hear you make some noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young generation, listen, you need the older generation. You don't know it all. I say that because when I was that young generation, I needed someone to tell me that because I thought I did. Older generation, you need the young generation. So this is not an I told you so moment. Uh-oh. Pastor's going to get in church, trouble in church today. It's not an I told you so moment. This is a moment to lean in, to lead well, just to, to lead with humility. Like, young generation, you need the old generation. Old generation, you need the young generation. We got to come together. If the church is going to thrive in the last days, then it's going to take generations coming together, raising up a generation, speaking into a generation. So we need those that are 30 and older, all those, and I'm 42, so I'm talking to myself. We need those 30 and older to come, come alongside in your prime, at the height of your game, baby, and say, you know what? I can speak into this generation. I got some things I can show you I can teach you come close to me we need business leaders who can raise up young people to say this is how you grow wealth this is how you grow influence this is how you build the kingdom of God on the earth we need those people and we need those 30 and younger to come alongside and say hey I like I, I don't know it all but can you teach me I like I want to learn where can I go oh you need me to do that no problem I got that I can do this A young generation to come alongside in humility to love to serve to learn to lead you don't need to be old to lead Come on, we need young people to begin to lead. And I'm just saying, at Victory, the door is wide open. There are opportunities, young generation, for you to lead. The door is wide open, whatever the gifts God has put inside of you. Music, technology, production, video, social media, cooking, whatever it is. There's gifts inside of you. And I'm just telling you, there's opportunities here for you to serve, for you to make a difference in the lives of other people through the gifts that God has put in your life. The door's wide open. And, you know, not just the young people, every people. The door is open for you to get involved, to begin to do what God has called you to do. So don't wait till you're young. Uh, don't wait till you're old to, to do something. And don't wait till you're old to sit back and say, I wish I would have done something. 
Listen, I don't care if you're in a wheelchair or a walker. If you've got breath in your lungs, God is not done with you. He has an assignment for you. In fact, there's someone around you that needs what you have and putting it inside of them. See, what the devil wants to do is he wants to come alongside and divide generations, right? So what he does is he comes and he lies to generations because he's a liar. And that's what he's done from the beginning. Jesus said he, he, the devil's lied from the beginning. And guess what? He's still lying today when anytime he speaks, he's lying. Because that's what he does. That's his native language is lies. So when the devil speaks to you, don't believe a word that he says because it ain't true. So what he does is he comes along and he lies to an older generation and he says, you know what? That young generation, they just don't value you. They're just trying to push you aside. And if you let them in even a little bit, where are you going to have a place? They're just, they're just going to call you old and out of touch. And, and, and then you're just going to be out there and I guess you're just going to be by yourself. And so you better keep them at arm's bay. You better not let them rise. You better make sure that you have your spot. This is your time. You need to be in the spotlight. You need to be the one. And then he lies to the young generation. He says, you're not good enough. You couldn't do it anyways. They won't listen to you. They don't value you. And if, and, and if you try, try, you'll probably just fail anyways. Just, just be silent. Just don't do anything. Just back off. Just, just go out there in the world because they'll listen to you. Because if someone really listens to you, then they'll do what, they, what you say. And he lies to a generation. But none of it's true. Listen. The rise of a generation is not to push one out. It's to position them to run in the gifts and the passions that God has created them for. It's the rise of a generation. We need each other to rise up. So we're, we're, we're coming together. It's seeds that we're planting into each other. So we, we begin by praying and we shift into prophetic declaration that generations are going to come together. And I'm just saying, if the church does not do its part, if the church does not lead the way for this generation with support, with love, with development, with time, with forgiveness and acceptance, this thing will turn the other direction. Because the world is ready and willing to, to give a counterfeit. So how does a generation rise? How does a generation rise? I want to give us a couple things today. And I would just say, young generation, write these things down. Write these things down. How does a generation rise? Older generation, man, lean in. It's time for us to lead well. Maybe we've done some things in the past, but the days ahead, we have to lead well. We have to lead like we never have before. How does a generation rise? Here's the first one. We have to pursue holiness. If a generation is going to rise to all that God has created it and called it to do to accomplish the purpose that God has for it, we've got to pursue holiness. Holiness simply means to be set apart, to be set apart. It's not some uh, other, any, anything other than it's being set apart. So it means that we're different. It means we think different. It means we talk different. It means we act different. We believe different. We're different because we are set apart. We are holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, it says, But just as he who called you, that's God, just as God called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. So this isn't, this isn't about trying to be perfect or whatever else. Holiness is about not letting outward influences and things contaminate the inward. Right? Okay, making, everybody's still here, making sure. Uh, I got these white shoes uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and as I was thinking about this, I thought about these white shoes, because if you've ever had a pair of white shoes, it's extremely difficult to keep them white. <laughs> um, you know, just walking through the street, you know, or wherever you go, there's dirt everywhere and things get on them. And it's funny when you put on a white pair of shoes, how aware you are of things touching your feet just randomly. Uh, so funny. Um, but when I got these, you know, my goal is I'm going to keep these things white as long as possible. And so we do a lot of crazy things to try to keep our shoes white. I put like six or 12 coats of, you know, the, the spray on there, Scotch guard, trying to keep them clean and all, all this kind of stuff. And I'm very careful about how I walk and where I walk and what I do in them so that they stay white. Why? Because I'm trying to keep them from being contaminated. And sometimes we're more careful about keeping our shoes contaminated than keeping our lives and our hearts contaminated. And God is calling the church to a season of pursuing holiness, of chasing after whatever it takes, God, to keep myself from being contaminated. I know the world has got entertainment, but I don't care if I miss out on it because, God, I want to get what you have for me. So it's okay, generation, if you don't listen to Taylor Swift and how she wants to tell you how to, what a relationship looks like. 
It's okay if you don't cuss like everybody else. It's okay if you don't live with someone that you're not married to. It's okay if you bring your Bible with you to church. It's okay with, if you bring your Bible with you to school. It's okay if you pray over your meal. It's okay if you see somebody and they're hurting, they're having a rough day, if you say, can I pray for you? Because we are different. You are a chosen generation. We've got to pursue holiness in a world that's getting us to try to pursue so many other things. We have to recognize that anything that we pursue outside of God will end up in emptiness. It just produces emptiness. So it starts, right, we start rising by pursuing holiness. Here's the next one. How does a generation rise? We've got to know the word. Psalms 119, verse 9, it says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's a great question. It's the question we're asking today. How can a generation rise? How can there be life? How can there be purity in a generation? Here's the answer in the next verse. By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Did you see it? In order for us to rise in the last days, in order for us to live in the power of God in these last days, it's going to take us having the word of God hidden in our hearts. It's going to take us knowing the word. Now, that doesn't mean like tear the page out of your Bible and swallow it. And like That's not <laughs> what I mean. Like that's just extra fiber. What it means to get the word of God inside of you is to read it, to med meditate on it, to remember it, to memorize it, to know the address where it's found. Psalms 119, verses 9 through 11. I, I will hide your word in my heart. Why? Because I don't want to sin against you. So it's not about legalism. It's about pursuing the heart of God. God, I don't want to stray from you. I don't want to get pulled off. Because Scripture says, in the last days, there will be many that are deceived. Even the elect, even the intelligent, even the super spiritual, and those with multiple degrees, and those that sound really good and know how to pray really good, and whatever else, they can be deceived. So be alert. Be sober. Be aware. He says there will be many teachers who come with false doctrines and false teaching in the last days and says, this says, thus saith the Lord. Listen, if we don't know the word, it will be extremely easy for us to be deceived because the word is the only thing that doesn't change. It says everything else in this earth will pass away, but the word will remain. So if, if we want to be aware of what is going on and know, God, was that really you speaking? We've got to know the word. So don't take my word for it, what the Bible says. Don't take someone else's word for it that stands up and says, this is what God is saying. Get in the Bible for yourself. That's why I always tell you where it's found so that you can write it down, so that you can get in there during the week and begin, God, what do you have for me? What are you speaking to me? So if somebody says something and it doesn't sound right or it's, it does sound right, ask yourself, what does that line up with the word of God? So if somebody comes alongside you and says, you're not good enough, you can't do this. Well, you already know that's not true because the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that you are made by God on purpose for a purpose, that he created you and fashioned you and put you in this specific place in Orlando in 2020 so that you could fulfill his purpose for your life. He knows all the hairs on your head, so don't let anybody tell you that you're an accident. Don't let anybody tell you that you are what your past is because God knows what your future is, and he says, that's why I chose you. That's why I anointed you that's why I put my spirit inside of you because you have a great future ahead of you come on it's time for us to prophesy over a generation this generation will rise how does a generation rise here's another one never compromise your values and beliefs the word compromise means to accept a standard that is lower than desirable <laughs> there will always be opportunities to lower the standards but man, when Jesus entered the scene, he was always kicking the standard up a notch. He says, don't, don't hate your brother. If you've even hated them in your heart, you've already committed murder. Don't even look at another person with a lustful spirit because if you have, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Like he's kicking the standard up. But the world will always come with pressure. We call it peer pressure or whatever else. Pressure to lower the standard. But listen, if a generation will rise, it's going to take us standing up for what is true, what is real, and never compromising. So don't back down. You're not alone. God's got your back. You got people behind you. We got your back. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. So hold on to what you know is true. Don't give in. Never give up. Don't back off. I think about in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, there's a story of four Jewish guys. They were young people. 
they were young. They were early 20s, late teens in that age when their entire nation said, God, we're not going to worship God anymore. We don't need you, God. And they began to worship idols. Well, these four guys didn't. And, but because the, the nation turned away from God, their enemies came in, swept them away, destroyed them, carried them away as slaves into a foreign land. And uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of that generation that was carried away. They had many opportunities in the 70 years that they were slaves to compromise, but they never did. In fact, Daniel was so strong in his convictions, he refused to compromise so much that he survived the, ra- the rise and fall of four kings, but Daniel was always at the top because he refused to compromise. When they said, go ahead and eat all this food that was offered to idols and offered to the king, he said, I will not eat it. And by the end of the time, he was more healthy, more strong than everybody else who had ate everything else. When they said, you better not pray to your God or we're going to throw you in the den of lions. You better not bring your Bible to school. You better not pray in the cafeteria. You better not even speak about that. What did Daniel say? He said, I will I will pray to my God and I will do it in public. He opened the windows of his house so that everyone could see him praying. They came, they took him, they threw him in the den of lions. Guess what? God was with him in the den of lions. An angel came down and said, shh, little kitties, be quiet. Don't you, don't you touch my boy Daniel. He was the original animal whisperer. Y'all thought, y'all thought our culture was original. <laughs> then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king came along and said, you better bow down and worship my golden statue. If you don't, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. You're going to get burned up and die. And they said, we will not bow down. You can throw us in there all day. We will not worship your statue. No compromise. So what do they do? They throw them in the fire. You know what? Those boys stood up, dusted it off, and they said, that's all right. It's a little toasty in here, but, you know, we Florida people, so we good with the heat. Bring it on, baby. And you know what happened? While they were in the fire, it caused everyone else to see Jesus. Y'all didn't catch that. See, they threw the three boys in the fire, but because they refused to compromise, the king, the king stood up and said, I see, I see the Son of God in there with those boys. It caused people who didn't know God to recognize and see Jesus. And the same is true in you, generation. When you're willing to stand up and not compromise what you believe, not compromise the word, not compromise the gifts inside of you, not compromise your purity and your beliefs, it causes other people to see Jesus through your lives. A generation rises when they refuse to compromise. Here's another one. A generation will rise when they spend time in God's presence. It's coming before presence. We were just doing it, worshiping God. We can enter God's presence that way, coming before him in prayer. But the easiest way to enter into God's presence is through praise and thanksgiving. It's the easiest way. It's to enter into his presence through praise and thanksgiving. We were doing that a little bit ago. You guys remember? Jesus. Jesus. All right, that was a little slow and mostly over there. Let's try it again. Jesus. 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 Come on, we get some praise in the house. Man, when we praise, we are just declaring how awesome God is. We're just saying, God, you're great. We praise you. We glorify you. Everything else doesn't matter. You are good. You are great. Like, that's praise. We're making a a greatness of who God is. But then we shift the gears into the next gear. And we say, ah, but I'm going to begin to give some thanks. See, when we begin uh, to have an attitude of gratitude, man, it changes everything. We begin to thank God. Thank you, God, for giving me breath in my lungs today. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving me a roof over my head and a car to drive. Thank you for giving me gas to put in that car and food to eat. When I go home, thank you for giving me resources so that I can go out to eat. Thank you, God, for all. Like, we always have something to be thankful for. It's just that sometimes we just want to focus on all the negative. But if we just begin to get a different script in our mouth and begin to thank God, if you've got nothing else going on in your life today, at least you woke up because you ain't promised tomorrow. But you got today so you can start there thank you God for giving me life today we always have something to be thankful for we just got to change the things that we're looking for because you'll find whatever it is that you're looking for I'm just like we're just gonna be people of thanksgiving so when we enter God's presence this way man it's just the easiest way to enter into his presence but it's not the only way you can be in the middle of taking a test at school and say God I need you would you help me God, help me remember the answers that I studied. 
The Holy Spirit will help you. He'll speak to you. You can invite God into the middle when you're at the, in that meeting at work and your boss looks at you and is like, well, the Holy Spirit can give you the answers, solutions that no one else has access to because you're tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit. When we enter into God's presence, like we realize that he's with us all the time. Oh, that's good. He's with you all the time. And, but it's, we just sometimes overlook it. We push him out because we want to focus on this. But if we just invite God's presence into everything that we go, everywhere that we go, like in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. In God's presence, there's restoration. There's healing. In God's presence, there's rest. Some of us are just worn out. He said, come to me, all you who are weary, broken down, and I will give you rest for your soul. In God's presence, there's direction. There's answers. There's provision. There's, there's fresh air. Some of us need that breath of fresh air today. See, if we're trying to rise without the presence of God in our lives, then it won't last because it's just our efforts. We need the presence of God. So how does a generation rise? We pursue holiness. We got to know the word. We never compromise our beliefs and values. We have to spend time in God's presence. Here's the last one. How does a generation rise? Don't stay silent. Don't stay silent. You have a voice. You have something to say. You have value to add to people. You have gifts inside of you that the world is waiting for. You have ideas inside of you that God gave you to bring change to places, to create wealth so that you could help build the kingdom. Don't stay silent. Don't be quiet. Don't let other people convince you that you're something that you're not. You are more than a conqueror. But we've just got to, we've got to wake up to the fact that you have a voice. You have something to say. You have something to add. I, I think about so many times how God gives people platforms. And when they have platforms, sometimes people use their platform for their own gain or for the gain of the kingdom. I, I'm so thankful for Kanye West. Come on, somebody. Talk about radically saved radically saved that brother i'm so excited and kanye if you're listening right now there's a church in orlando praying for you baby we love you i'm so thankful radically saved because here's a man who is living for the world and now he's living for jesus i don't know if you, his latest album called jesus is king he's more bold in his faith than the majority of christians in the world He's saying, Jesus is king. And all over the world, top of the Billboard 100, Jesus is king. In Times Square, Jesus is king. Over the Staples Centers in L.A., Jesus is king. All over the face of this nation, Jesus is king. Because one man was bold enough to say, I got a platform. Jesus, you are king. I think about Tim Tebow, football player, used this platform because he recognized that, man, in football games, he was the quarterback for the Florida Gators that the camera will be on his face. So he started putting scriptures on his face. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For God so loved the world. Like he began putting those on there. He began praying at games. People began to mock him for praying. And, you know, we, we call it the, the Tebow pose and all those kinds of things. But he was just radical about his faith. And he says, I don't care what other people do. I don't care what the pressures are to stop. I'm going to use the platform. I recognize that I'm brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. I was brought to this place for such a time as this. And I remember the story of uh, uh, when they were the year that Florida won the national championship they beat my Sooners but praise the Lord um, the night before the national championship game the coaches were looking for all the players they weren't in their rooms they weren't where they were supposed to be and they're looking for them and they found them in a back room behind everything gathered around Tim Tebow they're praying seeking God calling out that God would pour his spirit out on them I'm just telling you God will give you a platform if you'll be willing to use it for his glory if you'll be willing to use your voice. You know, when, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and slavery in Egypt, they were enslaved as Egypt in 400 years. And we know the 10 plagues and all that. God brought them miraculously out of Egypt. And he said, I'm taking you to the land that I promised Abraham. And so they came up to the land and they said, God said, go ahead, go in the land, take it, wipe out all the enemies. This land is yours. It belongs to you. And so they said, okay, we're going to send 12 people in, spy out the land. Let's get a battle plan. We'll come back. We'll be ready. We'll go take the land. The spies went into the land. They were in there for a period of time. They came out of the land. And they came back. They, had a, they were saying, 
this land is amazing, the most beautiful land. It was uh, like they just were raving about how great this land is. But then they were like, but there are people in there, our enemies, they're too big for us to defeat. They're too strong for us to defeat. We could never do it. And, and so uh, we probably can't even do it. Like we won't, it won't be ours because the enemy is too big. It's too bad. It's too strong. Ten of the 12 spies said that, but there were two. There were two, Joshua, Caleb. They said, we're well able to do it. Let's rise up at once and take the land. He said, we are well able to do it. I'm saying, generation, you are well able to do what God created you to do. It's time to rise up. Let's take the land at once. We can do it. You know, those were the only two, Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two of an entire generation that entered into the promise because they were the only two who believed what God said and didn't matter what it looked like. They said, I believe God's word. Let's do it at once. I'm just wondering, is there a church? Is there a generation that's willing to believe what God's word has said? That there can be life in a generation. That there can be life in our families. That there can be a generation that rises up that says, I will devote my life to the call of God and I will bring in the end time harvest in, this, in, in these days. There's a Joshua and Caleb generation that God is raising up. It's your time generation. All generations. It's time for us to rise. Let's jump to our feet all across the room today. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. That you're stirring our hearts. Holy Spirit, move in this place right now. We give you permission to move and to speak to us right now. Speak in our hearts. Speak in our minds. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for this young generation that's rising up, Lord God. They are so precious. So precious in your sight. They're so valuable. God, I thank you for all the generations, the middle generation, the older generations, those that have gone before us, Lord God. Lord God, I thank you for the example they left us. Now the baton has been passed to us. Lord, let us never be those that put a lid on someone else. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive your church where we've stifled the other generation, where we've tried to manipulate them. Forgive us, Father. I just declare this is a season of freedom. I loose generational blessings in this place. Be Thank you, Lord. We have to understand that there's a generational transference that happens from generation to generation. That's why the enemy fights so hard to stop it. Because he understands that if one generation will multiply themselves into the generation coming up behind them, that there's an exponential anointing on that generation. See, the generation coming behind us should do greater things than we've ever seen. They should move in more power in the gifts of the Spirit than we've ever have in our lives. That's success. Success is not how high I can rise. It's how high I can raise someone else. Because I can, you can never exhaust your potential by helping someone else reach theirs. I'm just declaring in this place, we are going to be a generation that is passionate about raising up those coming behind us. The Lord, do it in us. Seal this in us today. 